Welcome to episode 383 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by the digitalmediazone.com. I'm Josh Pollard. And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, shows, and games. All right, we're back for two weeks in a row. Happy about that. Happy about that. And a lot of news to cover, although I don't know that any of these are going to uh, cause any big, uh, a lot of ruckus here. I, yeah. I always look for the stories where we're going to disagree on something. I don't think we're going to have anything <laughs> like that this week. That's all right. One thing we do have this week is a small piece of listener feedback. This came from Steve over on our YouTube channel, which you can find by just going to the show post here at the digitalmediazone.com. And he just wrote, Hey, speaking of hard sci fi, this was in reaction to a book that I've been reading, which you'll hear more about at the end of the show. He says, Have you guys watched Foundation? on Apple TV, or The Expanse. I've watched a little bit of The Expanse, and I keep thinking about wanting to go back to it. Richard, have you watched? I think you're watching The Expanse, right? But what about Foundation? I've not even heard of this. I haven't watched any of Foundation yet. Apple made a big, huge deal about Foundation, and then it got terrible reviews. So I didn't really bother (laughs) watching that. But The Expanse... So many people were telling me, you have to watch it, you have to watch it. And I watched the pilot when it first came out, and it just didn't catch me. But I am thoroughly enjoying it now. I'm two and a half seasons through. I'm stalled a little bit because of life. And that is one of the things on the top of my list to get back to. So, yes, love it. Cool, cool. All right, well, let's jump from that into our news this week. And first up, this was kind of a surprise. Rise to me. Uh, I, I don't really understand the the way or the reasoning for why Samsung did it this way. But as part of their announcement for uh, an, announcing when all of their new TVs would be out and the pricing for them, uh, they also kind of stealth announced their QD OLED TV that we didn't get an announcement for. At CES, which is just weird. weird. I, I, I don't get this. I don't get this at all. Um, but I, I'm I'm glad to see that we finally have an announcement for it. So th- this this new Samsung Quantum Dot OLED TV. It's the S ninety five B. That's the one that you're you're going to want to look for. Uh, only two sizes here: a fifty five inch and a sixty five inch. The the MSRP is 2200 for the 55 inch and 3000 for the 65 inch but they're already available on Amazon for uh, amounts that are less than that so <laughs> that's good <laughs> the the prices here don't seem that crazy to me no. what, what do you think yeah i think these are completely reasonable for what they are right now, they're not reasonable prices in terms of <laughs> inexpensive, right? But considering that the you know QD OLED are really like their coolest latest thing in OLED, and uh, these are really the what we've been waiting for from them. It's uh, I'm not at all overwhelmed by this pricing i would consider one of these if i were in the market for a new television right right because the 
the main thing about quantum dot OLED is it's brighter. Like there, there are more things to it. These uh, theoretically have improved color accuracy, uh, even better viewing angles. Viewing angles can be something that's not quite as good on an OLED as it is on on some of the higher end LED TVs. But the biggest thing is that the the quantum dot OLED TVs are supposed to get even brighter than regular OLED TVs, which brightness is really one of the only major downsides to to some of the OLED TVs that we've got now. Now they they still get plenty bright. Like, don't worry, you're you're not going to be uh, uh, hurting for being able to see things on on an OLED from like LG or or Sony. But the 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 brightness, the peak brightness for sure, when when you're looking at that HDR content on an OLED is definitely lower than uh, some of the the high-end LED TVs that um, that these would be compared directly against. Now, the other good thing about Quantum Dot OLED is that they say that the the theoretical problem with burn-in is decreased on right. on these these Quantum Dot OLEDs. So it's not a theoretical problem; it is a problem. <laughs> right. Yeah, that 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 is fair to say. Um, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, things that have been done to decrease the the risk of burn-in on on OLEDs, uh, but that is even better on on a quantum dot OLED. And we've talked about that in the past. There's lots of other documentation. If you want to nerd out on what is the what are all of the other differences between OLED and quantum dot OLED, it's out there. Uh, but we don't need to get into all of that now. The important thing is uh, we've now got options from two manufacturers for quantum dot OLED TVs, but they're panels from the same company. Samsung here announcing theirs. And of course, Sony did show theirs off at CES, but it's a panel from Samsung. So that's it for the the TV news. Let's move on to uh, YouTube is... Trying to get you to stay on YouTube even more, or maybe to start on YouTube. Uh, for a while, YouTube has had hundreds, thousands, I'm not even sure what, what the number is, uh, of free movies on, on the service. Like, legit, you know, you, you can feel okay watching these legally. Like, YouTube put them there. It's not illegally uploaded uh, streams of movies. But they're the the same types of movies and and probably the same exact movies that you would find available on a lot of the other free ad supported streaming services out there like you would get on Roku and TiVo and Plex and and so many of these other free ad supported video streaming services that are available well now YouTube is adding a bunch of television series so they've added over 4000 TV episodes and this is all free. It's still YouTube. We're not talking about the the paid YouTube TV service here. This is just YouTube. But because it's free and on YouTube, that does mean it comes with ads. So 4,000 episodes here of shows that you might want to watch. There are things like Hell's Kitchen and, and things like that. It's not just uh, weird random shows that you've never heard of before. Hell's Kitchen, Heartland. Unsolved Mysteries. I'm, I'm not sure if that's one that people still actually want to watch or if they're just watching it ironically. No. <laughs> <laughs> 
hate watching it. <laughs> right. Man, I haven't watched Unsolved Mysteries since the 90s. It would be interesting to go back and watch a little bit of that. And I also wonder if it's the new one, because didn't they reboot Unsolved Mysteries? I believe so. It, but is it with a different host? Don't know. Okay. You're not very helpful. There. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Might have well, to go look. It's free. So, But here's my question to you. You mentioned all these other services that have similar stuff like this and that there are free movies available today on YouTube TV already. Ever Not watch YouTube any TV. of those? YouTube. Sorry, Not, YouTube. Yeah. Ever watch any of those? Once. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No. Well, I've watched I've watched a movie once on YouTube. I've watched a couple of things here and there on some of the other services just to give them a try. I've talked about watching them on Plex once before. Yeah, I, I don't watch a lot of these. And I I am the one on, on this show that, that pokes fun at these services, which maybe isn't fair because, as we know, I don't watch that much stuff. So I'm, I'm not exactly rushing out looking for what maybe we could put in the category of like, I don't know, just less important things to watch. Like, yeah. if I'm going to spend my time watching something, it's probably going to be something big and fairly recent like there the new spider-man movie is available on streaming now uh through through voodoo and stuff like that like i I don't think it's on any of the subscription services yet but you Mm. can go and rent or purchase it from you know one of many different places out there i want to make some time to watch that but i'm probably not gonna go and and see that oh uh gone in 60 seconds is on youtube i love that movie it was a great movie i'm probably not just gonna go out and and seek seek out you know one of these types of shows or movies to watch though yeah i i just wonder who this appeals to like i wonder if this is trying to get people interested in their offerings of movies and tv without paying like for customers who might not be inclined to pay, say college students or Mm. something like that. And then maybe they become paid customers at some point in time through some paid plan or through YouTube TV or what have you. I I don't know. I just, I don't understand why. I just, I I really, it's all B, C or old content. So I don't know. I don't get it. Well, I, I I think you actually, while you were sort of guessing at, at ideas here, I I think you probably hit the nail on the head there, especially when you started talking about like college students and stuff. I I think this is targeting the people who are already on YouTube, which is probably a lot of college students and younger people. Yeah, if they can keep them there uh, by by watching some of this longer form stuff instead of just five minute ridiculous videos or whatever it is that they're watching on YouTube, if they can keep them there and continue to, to generate more and more revenue through ads, I, I think that's the goal. And and this could work. And mm-hmm. I'm not even sure that they would be using this as a method of pushing people to YouTube TV. Like sure. YouTube TV makes them money, but do they make more money on YouTube TV customers than they do from the ads from a regular YouTube viewer. I, I'm not sure that they do. <laughs> yeah, no idea. No idea. So it's there. You know, if, if you are interested in, in these types of movies and stuff and, and want to watch them 
from a reliable source that's going to give you a, a great stream like you you can be pretty confident that you're going to get that from youtube of all places so go and check those out and let us know uh what you think of, of their offerings versus some of their competitors let's move on to roku they have released a, a new version of the os roku os 11 and there's there's multiple features here but the the one that i think is is worth talking about the most the one that really caught my eye is that you're now going to be able to use your own photos as a screensaver on Roku. And I know screensavers and stuff sound like a, a nerdy topic and, and who cares about screensavers? We haven't cared about screensavers since the 1990s, but it it is something that is really nice to have, I think, on your television, especially when it can be your own photos. And the big question for me when I saw this headline was, how do I get my photos to it? Because <laughs> when we're talking about, uh, you know, most recently we've talked about doing this on Android TV, I- I've already got my photos in Google's cloud. They're in Google yeah, Photos. So it's super easy. easy, right? But in Roku, how how does that work? And basically, you just open up, I guess, the Roku app and you send your photos that you want from a mobile device to your Roku device, probably uploading them over Wi-Fi to to your device. What do you think about that solution, Richard? Is that something you're going to sit down and do? Well, it's not something I'm going to do personally, but I think it does make sense if you're a Roku user. This is the same solution that Samsung uses on its frame television. You would go into your smart things app, unfortunately, and find the TV interface in there and use that to upload photos. It's kind of janky and it's certainly not ideal because you're doing it for every photo. You're having to select which photos you want there instead of just pointing it toward some organized library like you can on Apple and like you can on, uh, the, uh, Google devices. So I think they're doing what they can with what they have. And if you're a Roku user, I think you're going to like this. This is a much better solution than, you know, watching the stupid neon buildings go by on the default uh, screensaver and the default theme. I think this is a, a better way of doing that. And we were just talking about screen burning, burn in. So if you're thinking, well, why do I need a screensaver? You need a screensaver. Screensavers are good for televisions. Yeah, especially if you've got kids who don't turn the TV off, like my kids. <laughs> right. And and nowadays, it's not like there's something on all the time. When something plays, it's very likely that when it's done, now you're just watching the interface of right. whatever your device is. If it's a Roku, you're watching the Roku interface, and that's just going to sit there and sit there and sit there. So use a screensaver and why not make it your own photos? I like this. I think it's good. I think it's a good thing, but I think it's just a first step. And, and I'm not going to be uh, one of those guys because it, it drives me insane when I see other people do this. In the future, they, they might make improvements to this, and then everyone's going to go, yeah, this is what it should have launched with. Sorry, sometimes things sometimes it's better to, to just release things early and and get features in people's hands. And I think yeah, that's what being, they did like, here. 
being agile. Good idea. Exactly. I like it. Exactly. Yeah. So I don't think it's perfect. Like I, I do like the idea of just having it pulling from some other location all the time because your example of the frame, it, like I'm really glad that that you brought that up from from Samsung's frame TVs, but I think it's it's a fairly different experience because with the frame. You know, if you're using that for artwork display and stuff like that, you've probably got a much smaller collection of photos that you're showing. Maybe you're not using it as like the family photo frame, which is what I tend to do with these types of services. So being able to tie it directly into an, an automatically, you know, dynamically updating Google Photos library is perfect for me. For this, like I want to see new photos showing up here. And for for me to be able to do that, I'd have to be regularly going in and re not re-uploading, but uploading for the first time new photos regularly. So it's just more work. It's not it, it's not a terrible solution. It's a good first step, uh, yeah. but but it is going to be a little bit more work than just tying in with Google Photos or iCloud or, or something like that. Uh, the the other thing that's cool about this though is. If you've got a Roku, you're likely to know somebody else with a Roku, and maybe you want to be able to share that same set of photos with somebody else. You know, maybe uh, you're uploading photos of your kids to use as your screensaver. I think that's probably one of the most likely examples that that's happening here. And grandma and grandpa would also like to have that as their screensaver. Well, you can share these photo streams with other Roku users and. I'm curious how all of that data gets gets transferred around, but I, I think that's a really cool solution. I can't really do that with the Android TV integration with Google Photos. So I, I do like that feature. Yeah, it's nice. Okay. Uh, an- another kind of just a, a quick update, because this was from almost a year ago, we talked about Amazon attempting to purchase MGM to pull all of their content into Amazon Prime Video and and just the the Amazon Video ecosystem and that deal is done done a, a little bit earlier than what most people expected the FTC is is not going to get in the way of this deal so it's done now does that mean that you've already got access to all of this content I don't think so I I think they are still going to require a little bit of time to get it up there but once it is up there, you're you're going to have access to potentially four thousand films from from MGM's library, and seventeen thousand hours of television shows could all be coming to Amazon Prime Video. I mean, MGM has been around for almost a hundred years. Yeah. So there's a lot of good newish and oldish stuff in there you know 12 angry men robocop silence of the lambs all of those are old i didn't pick any new ones um but uh we should probably also point out that that means that amazon has a little bit of stake in one of richard's all-time favorite movie series james bond yep and uh probably important to know because i think you and i still care about this james bond movies they're still going to theaters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 I think you're with me in that we still prefer to watch movies like this in a movie theater. Well, I mean, this franchise in particular is a big moneymaker. And it would be foolish not to send 
these films to theaters. And I would expect that the Broccoli family, which basically controls the James Bond franchise now, would be insisting that these films still <laughs> go to theaters. So exactly. this doesn't surprise me. This is great, though. And, it, you know, I mean, it's both sad and great. It's great that they have such a rich library of content. I mean, 4,000 films. If you think about it, they they have so many classic black and white films that are part of the the vault from MGM. And I hope that they do bring them in and make those available as well. And then, of course, you mentioned all of the new popular films that have been a part of this studio. This studio, it's just, it's just really disappointing to me that it's just been batted around and has not really had a good home for decades and hasn't been in good financial shape for decades. You know, this one of the early studios, one of the studios that people used to be contracted to act for. And, you know, you were an MGM actor or actress and you would make five films as part of your contract. And, uh, you know, those days are long gone for the most part. Now, Amazon contracts comedians to make bad films and <laughs> uh, produce, puts them all there. So, hey, you know, there's some synergy there, I guess. But anyway, it, it it's sad this happened. I'm really excited to see all this content become available to uh, me as an Amazon Prime member and disclaimer stockholder. Cool. All right. Well, one last quick one. If you are in, and you're going to get confused why this is in video when I first say this, if you're an <laughs> Xbox Game Pass Ultimate subscriber, you might be interested in a new perk from a video service. They are giving all Game Pass Ultimate subscribers a 30-day free trial to Paramount+. Plus. Why Why the heck would they do that? Is Is it just a marketing campaign? Oh no, it's much more than that. Paramount Plus is launching a new Halo TV series that starts this coming Friday. So uh, this this perk is going to be available starting this coming Thursday, and you'll be able to use this to to start watching Halo for free. It's important to point out that you can start watching it with your free thirty day trial because this new Halo TV series like so many of the other uh, popular shows that are being launched on on online video streaming services like this, the episodes are being released weekly. Weekly, yeah. Not the entire season at once. Yep. So you're going to need more than a month to watch all of this if you're going to watch it when the episodes come out. This is smart. This is so smart. Yeah. So, I'm, you know, I'm happy to see this. I think this is a great idea. Certainly, I've had my love-hate relationship with the services that have ultimately become Paramount Plus. <laughs> but I just I, this is brilliant marketing. It's great tie-in. Are you interested in watching this Halo show? I kind of am. Why? Uh, yeah. Because you don't care about the video game. So wh- why well, are you well, interested? So it's not that I don't care about the video game. I'm fascinated by this franchise. Because it's been such a moneymaker over the years, blockbuster level income from these games, 
I seem to remember I even bought a couple of them, even though I haven't really played more than the first couple of scenes. But I, I am interested in it, and I and I wonder really more than anything: Are they going to be able to do right by the fans of the game? Most people who have watched movies based on games know that they're usually not very good, and Halo specifically creates an environment and has its own amazing cinematography as part, if you want to call it that, as as part of its uh, scenes and, and uh, design, and a, a fantastic set of soundtracks. So they have a lot to start with. They have a lot to, to build from. And are they going to be able to do it in a way that is, you know, rewarding to the people who care about it. Right. Right. Some of the the video game outlets out there have already gotten a sneak peek to the first couple of episodes and the reviews that I've seen so far have been po- we'll say positive, not like oh my gosh, this is amazing, you absolutely have to watch this, but but more like yeah, this is this is pretty good. You should you should maybe go check this out. So, if you're at all interested, uh might might be worth checking out. Uh, if you're a Game Pass Ultimate subscriber already, then there's no reason not to. Uh, but of course, Game Pass Ultimate does cost $15 a month. It gets you access to the Game Pass library on Xbox consoles and on PCs, and it gets you the cloud game streaming and Xbox Live Gold access to be able to play everything online. So this is a nice perk that's being thrown in there. Once you're out of that trial, though, Paramount Plus is going to cost you $5 a month if you're willing to watch with ads, $10 a month if you don't want to watch ads. All right, and that Halo segment transitions us perfectly into our gaming segment, although there you go. we're going to go, we don't have any Xbox news. That's the weird thing. <laughs> <laughs> so we're actually going to start with Sony PlayStation news. The uh, PlayStation 5 and the PlayStation 4 both received uh, software updates this week, and most of it's not that interesting. There's some some new voice control stuff going on. I'm always curious how many people actually use voice control on their game consoles. I don't know many people who actually do, but I think the bigger news here is that Sony is finally announcing, hey, we're actually going to bring you variable refresh rate support to the PlayStation 5 this year. They're not really getting very specific as to when it's coming, but they are finally saying it is coming. Uh, Your TV, of course, has to have HDMI 2.1 and support for for variable refresh rate. The other thing that's kind of interesting about this, though, is that they are going to make it so that you can optionally enable VRR for games that don't even natively support it. They're just going to make that work somehow. And I haven't quite figured out in my own brain exactly how they might do that. Hmm. But hopefully that's going to work well. But if it doesn't, you can turn it off. So so that's a good thing. Uh, and if it does work well, then then that's great because variable refresh rate gets rid of screen tearing. Uh, it, it's It's easier on your eyes to have the screen updating as the game is sending new frames to to the screen uh it it works out really well it just makes everything smoother clearer 
uh, it's it's just a, a far better experience. So this is something that the Xbox Series X and Series S launched with back in wow November of 2020, which was almost a year and a half ago at this point. It's hard to believe we've been on the new generation that long, uh, and will be coming soon, hopefully to to all of you who have been able to get a, a PlayStation Five. I was going to say, and still can't buy one. <laughs> right, still very, very difficult to buy one. And the the last gaming news here last week, we talked about a a gaming bundle that you could buy from Itchio that helped to support uh, Ukraine charities uh, as they continue to deal with uh, their war, uh, defending themselves from Russia. And Humble Bundle is doing a similar thing. Humble Bundle has a collection of 124 mostly games there is some stuff in here that that isn't just video games but this is mostly video games and unlike the collection that we talked about last week which was close to a thousand titles uh this one has a lot of really big name games it's got metro exodus it's got back for blood back for blood just came out last year um it's there's a lot of really good games in here uh one one that I would actually recommend that you check out. It's not it's not super new. I, I think it's been out for maybe five years or so. But it's a game called This War of Mine. And it's super depressing. But it is a game that is... It's basically a simulator for what it would be like if you lived in a war zone and what you would have to do to stay alive. Uh, to to go out and collect food and, and resources and stuff like that in an area where you don't know who you can trust. It's hard. It's depressing. It's scary. Um, but it it's maybe something worth doing if you want to get a better idea of what this situation is like. But maybe that's not something that wow. you, you can do right now. But uh, the, the like this isn't a game that you're going to binge. Like uh, it's not something that you can probably do. But it's maybe something worth checking out, and it's included in this bundle from Humble Bundle. It's called the Stand with Ukraine Charity Game Bundle. I think you can pay whatever you want. They're recommending that you pay forty five bucks or more for it. It's absolutely worth it. The the games in this bundle are, have uh, an, an estimated value of over $2,000, and there's a bunch of really great games in there. They've already raised over $14 million, and 100% of the purchases go straight to these charities. Cool. Yeah, it's a, it's a really great thing to do. So that's it for our gaming news. That's it for all of our news for this week. So we're going to jump right into what's going on in our entertainment centers. And we've got hopefully an exciting update from Richard because he's still working on building his, his new entertainment center in his new house. Yeah. And so I talked about ordering a Sonos arc and I had a surprise. It arrived about a week early. Wow. That doesn't happen. (laughs) Well, a week early from the month and a half that it was supposed to take to get to me. So you know, early is relative, but set it up and have just enough room for it on <laughs> the shelf where the TV is sitting right now. And I have a little bit of a weird situation. I am in a space that is far from ideal for a soundbar. It is a 
roughly square space in a largely open floor plan. So I don't have four walls that it can bounce sound off of. I have two walls. And adding to this, I have my television in the least ideal place possible for a sound bar, which is in a corner. (laughs) Now, I don't have it at a 45 degree angle in that corner. It's just, I have the fireplace in the middle of the room and refusing to put the television above the fireplace, we put the television to the right of the fireplace. So it is a little bit of an angle to face into the room better, but it is not flat against the wall. And it's not in the center of a wall, like something really should be for a soundbar. But all that said, using their tuning system that Sonos has, I'm able to get really, really good sound out of this thing. And multiple people have told me, oh, you need to add the sub to this because the sub really makes it complete. And I get that. But I am amazed by the bass that I'm getting out of this thing. It's really good. That's awesome. Yeah. And it has upward firing speakers to give you some Atmos capabilities. It's certainly not as good as the in-ceiling Atmos speakers that I had in my old home, but it's nice to have that surround-ish effect going on again. I need to figure out if I'm going to add actual rear speakers to this, and if so, where I would put them. I'm going to have to be kind of creative about that because of how this room opens into the kitchen area, but I think it's... So far, I'm really happy with it. So um, this has been, uh, I think, a good investment. As far as watching stuff, we have been um, using YouTube TV, as I mentioned previously. I will say now that we've had it for a little over a week that I'm not a big fan of their guide. It's really, really busy. It is translucent on top of the live TV experience when you bring it up. So. There's a lot going on, and I find it a little bit cumbersome. I will say, and this shouldn't be surprising to anybody, YouTube, which remember is Google, does a really good job of recommending what show I probably want to watch right now on their home screen based on what I've watched in the past and when. So I'm not even really having to go to the guide for the most part. I know I'm the guy who's always saying you got to have a linear guide and (laughs) they've done a good enough job with their recommendation engine that I really don't need it unless I want to go surfing and I'm not happy with what's on the screen at the moment. So that's pretty good. That is really good. Yeah. Now, as far as shows, I've been trying to catch up on this is us. I'm a little bit behind on that. Discovery had its season finale. I mentioned before the season started slow for me. I think I figured out, well, I've mentioned this in the past. I think I figured out what it is that I haven't really liked about it. I liked the overall story. It ended pretty well, I think, as far as the, the way they ended up tying things up for the season. I don't like that they've turned this into a serial instead of an episodic show. I want my Star Trek to be episodic. And it it always seems to me to be kind of a cheat when 
they take a series and turn each season into a 10 episode or 13 episode story arc. And that's pretty much all you're getting in that season. It's like you're watching a mini series or something. And that's not what I want out of my Star Trek. Maybe other people are enjoying it, but um, it, it, it's not my favorite. I will also say it is, it, it's everybody's so, so, so somber, so serious. Like the captain always talks like this. She's empathizing with everything that everyone is saying. And it's just, it just feels too dramatic for me. And mm. so that's kind of bugging me a little bit. Anyway, okay, enough on that. Picard is back and I'm really happy about that. This too is a story arc, but they've done a pretty good job of, um, keeping it exciting and uh, getting things going right from the start with a couple of shocks along the way. So I'm um, excited to see what they do with, with that. Been watching uh, it, it caught up on last week tonight. I, I don't think there's been a recent episode lately and there wasn't a Saturday Night Live this week, but uh, I figured out why we're watching so much of House Hunters and House Hunters International. It's because we're looking for something to watch other than the news. Yeah, I, I could totally understand that. I mean, normally in the evenings, we would have an hour or two or two of news on. And I kind of can't take two hours of watching this horrific situation unfold over in Europe. And that's just the watching. Like, we're right. not living any of it, right? Right. <sighs> anyway, also watched a couple of movies. Old movies. We watched The Proposal, which is an old uh, Ryan Reynolds and um, uh, uh, Sandra Bullock. Man, can't believe I forgot her name. Fantastic actress. Funny film. Enjoy that. We've seen it a couple times, I think. I also watched an old Medea movie that was on BET. Didn't really pay attention to where it was. We were just flipping through and we're like, oh, yeah, let's let's watch that. Uh, And so we did. I don't generally watch BET. And I don't know if this is the normal experience there, but their ad breaks are oppressive. <laughs> we had multiple times where we couldn't believe how many ads there were. Now, usually I think of CBS as the one that does this, that they just give you like 10 ads in a row. And you're like, oh, come on. So we started counting. One of the ad breaks had 18 commercials. That's insane. 18. That's and one of them was a long drug ad. So, so this was over nine minutes of ads, right? Wow! I, it's just I I don't understand how can people deal with that. I, uh, it was awful, just absolutely awful. I'm very disappointed because how are you going to get people to watch like normal cable television if that's the experience you're giving them? That's a terrible experience. Yeah, for sure. All right, two quick audio things. One. I am way behind on podcasts. That happened because of the move. The move got me all kind of messed up and I'm still trying to catch up. So I'm about just under two weeks behind on podcasts again. But I've been listening to a lot of music and that's the other reason that I'm behind on podcasts. And I just discovered a composer, Thomas Bergerson out of Norway, who is just amazing. And I don't know how I've never heard of this dude before. He's he writes this big epic stuff that's very similar in its uh, kind of sound to the stuff that Hans Zimmer does. So, of course, I'm a huge fan right from the beginning. 
So I've been trying to catch a bunch of the stuff that he's put out. And during the pandemic, he released like a seven album series of music that I'm starting to listen to. And it's really good stuff. Wow. That's cool. Yep. So that's what's been going on in my entertainment center. How about you, Josh? Okay. Well, uh, we'll start with gaming, like usual for me. The the one that's that's probably of the most interest is uh, a couple friends of mine and I decided to check out Rainbow Six Extraction. I'm not. I can't remember if I talked about this previously because I think you've mentioned it. But... Okay, because we we well. So there are four guys that I normally play with, but this is a three player game, and. So we had tried it out a few weeks ago because one of the guys had been out for for a few weeks for other reasons, and it didn't go super well. And uh, we we didn't the the game isn't bad. We we just did terribly, and we didn't know if it was because <laughs> like the game is just too hard. Uh, are are we just terrible? Is it because we didn't really pay that much attention during the tutorial segment, um, which was maybe a bad idea. But it didn't go well. And so this weekend, the the guy that didn't get to play it the first time, he was around and one of the guys that played the first time wasn't around. So like, all right, let's try it again. And we're like, hey, new guy, pay attention to the tutorial so you can help us out. <laughs> it it didn't help. We were still terrible. Like we, uh, I don't know, we've, we've tried playing, you can think of it as levels. Uh, with him, we probably played four. It, it's the same level, uh, like four times. We we beat it once, once. Like it's the first wow. level. So <laughs> I don't I don't know if we're just that bad. We're probably just that bad. Uh, but it it didn't go well. We might be done with this game. Plus, it's a three player game, and normally all four of us are around. So you might never hear me talk about Rainbow Six Extraction again. If you're in to the these four player. Uh, I guess three player in this case games where it's you versus the environment, uh, objective based trying to like, it, it feels a little bit like a stealth version of back for blood. If you don't remember back for blood, maybe you remember left for dead, that sort of thing. It's aliens, not zombies. Um, but with rainbow six operators, like you might like this and maybe you're just a lot better at these games than I am. In fact, you're almost definitely a lot better at these types of games than I am because I'm just not. Uh, so that was that was Rainbow Six Extraction. Also, of course, played uh, some amount of, of NHL over the weekend. We also played a little bit of Halo Infinite. Interesting thing with me and Halo Infinite, and, and this isn't just me. This is the same group of guys that I was playing Rainbow Six Extraction with. What we discovered was the first night we played this, it went really well. We won almost every match. It, it was it was a ton of fun. We were winning like crazy. It was great. The next time we played it, we did pretty well. We didn't win every match, but it still did pretty well. Like maybe the third time we played, it kind of went down again. We didn't win nearly as many matches, but we're doing okay. Man, we played this last weekend, and uh, I in particular did exceptionally bad. Maybe this was just a bad weekend for me for games. Uh, and but everybody in my squad was like, "Yeah, this we're we're just not doing well." Like every time we play Halo, it seems like we're doing worse. And I don't understand 
what's going on there. And I'm curious if anybody else is having a similar <clears throat> phenomenon with ha- Halo Infinite. Like it could be matchmaking systems, I suppose. Like maybe they're just intentionally putting us against better people now that we've played a little more. But they should stop because I like winning. So (laughs) give me some bad people to play against, please. And then uh, lastly, on the gaming front, uh, my friend Joe sent me a link to a mobile game called Retro Bowl because he knows how much I loved the classic NES game Tecmo Super Bowl. It was a great game. This looks a whole lot like it, but it's on mobile. It, it's more than just the the football game itself. Like you're not just playing football; you're also managing the team, managing the roster, all of that sort of stuff. None of it is super complicated, um, and and the actual football experience itself. You only play offense; you don't play defense. Which is uh, he was like, "What? How how do you not play defense? You don't play." I, I'm okay with that. Uh, it makes the games go a little faster, which I think is what you're looking for on mobile. I'm loving the crap out of this game. I have played so much Retro Bowl in the last week or so since he introduced it to me. Uh, if if I don't have anything to do and my phone is handy, I'm probably playing Retro Bowl instead of like reading the news and stuff like that because I'm having a lot of fun with it. Uh, and then books. Last week I mentioned that I... Uh, was working my way through the second book in the Three Body Problem series. That book was called The Dark Forest by C. Sh- oh, geez, C. Sheen Liu, uh, Chinese author. Uh, this is that that hard sci-fi book that I had referenced last week. I finished The Dark Forest, the second book. I'm now almost halfway through the second book. It's called The Death. It's called Death's End. Uh, this is a little bit longer. It's like 27, 28 hour audiobook. I am really liking this. Uh, but, you know, w- whenever I'm reading a book, I- I- I'm also kind of evaluating from the perspective of would my wife, Jen, like this book? And I ended up telling her yesterday, I don't think you should read this. Um, it is it is a pretty serious sci-fi book you know uh, when i talk about hard sci-fi i often compare it to the martian uh that that's the one that the people are going to know the most of in this sort of genre the martian had a lot of humor this does not have humor in fact there's a whole lot of depressing crap that goes on here so that doesn't make it a bad book but if you're not into books that get depressing and dark and are really really heady and and really cause you to think about really big things, uh, then this book probably isn't for you. If you do like that stuff, then this book probably is for you, though. I, I am enjoying it a lot. So that's that's the three-body problem is the name of the series. That's also the name of the first book within the series. And it's uh, pretty much it. The only thing that I've watched is a, uh, bits and pieces of a couple of Penguins hockey games. So no other TV or movies for me, although I do hope to watch that Spider-Man movie fairly soon because everyone says it was amazing. So I do have to watch it. You you haven't seen it yet either, right? I have not. No. And it hasn't been spoiled for you? No. Okay, good. Good. Maybe we should plan to watch it like in the same weekend so that we can talk about it together. That would be cool. So yeah, let's let's coordinate on that. All right, so that's it for me, and that's it for the 
the show. So if you'd like to get a hold of us, you can find us in a lot of places. We're on Twitter at Richard Gunther, at Josh Pollard, at DigiMediaZone. And then, of course, over at the website, www.thedigitalmediazone.com, where you can get the show notes, links to every story we talked about here, and links to find the video production of this over on YouTube. You can find that through there. Uh, Head on over to YouTube, click that subscribe button so that you can get notified of that. But while you're over at the website, Richard, any anything else there that, that people might be able to check out? Well, next week, you should be able to enjoy the first fresh episode of Home On for over a year. We are back. And as our first guest to relaunch the show, we have the brand manager from Quickset, who's going to be talking with us about their new smart lock products. Awesome. Cool. Well, we also normally broadcast the show live. Uh, uh, through Twitch over at that website. We didn't this week scheduling conflicts like usual, but normally Tuesday nights, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, like Richard said last week, I should probably stop saying normally because that isn't when the show will happen next week either because I have a conflict next Tuesday. (laughs) Uh, But follow us on Twitter uh, and then just follow us on, on Twitch and it'll notify you as soon as we go live, but we also tweet Uh, when we're planning to be going live. So that's going to do it for episode 583. He's Richard Gunther, and I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.